This is Annie Stevens Gleason, Minister for Worship and Incorporation at the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer in Cincinnati, Ohio, and I'd like to welcome you to our worship podcast. This is the Holy Eucharist Rite 2 for January 28th, 2024.
Good morning. Welcome. Welcome to Church of the Redeemer. It is a joy, it is an honor, and it's a privilege to have the opportunity to worship with you, and I'm grateful for it. Glad we have the chance to be together today. I would love to say a special welcome to those of you who are joining us for the first time or for the first time in a long time. It is awesome to have you with us. I also want to say a special welcome to those of you who are joining us online for our live stream. Thank you for joining us in this way. We're so grateful we have the opportunity to worship with you today. If you'd like to get to know more about our church, you can go to our website, redeemer-cincy.org. That's redeemer-cincy with a y.org. Click on the About tab there. You can learn more about us and then connect with us, and we can learn more about you and welcome you into this beloved community. Friends, I just have a few brief announcements, and then we will begin our worship together. Today we continue our adult forum, Spirituality and Me opening ourselves to the presence of God. Today's topic is abide in me as I abide in you, finding quiet. Abide in me as I abide in you, finding quiet. If that piques your interest and you'd like to join this adult forum, even if you missed last week or any other time, you're welcome to come. It's right after this service in the parlor. That's where our adult forum is. If you'd like to just be with us and uh, are not interested in any self-improvement, you can just join us for coffee hour in the Great Hall. There are many opportunities to connect and become part of this community. So stick around afterwards, learn something or don't, but be with us. Um, a week from this Tuesday, February 6th, at 6 p.m., we will be hosting a communal dinner and conversation as a follow-up to our movie viewing of A Case for Love. But even if you didn't have a chance to see the film, you are welcome to attend. Uh, that is this, uh, that's a week from this Tuesday, February 6th, 6 p.m. And then Sunday, February 11th, is our annual meeting, and it will be in the Great Hall immediately following this service. So at about 10.05 a.m., we'll get you out on time on Sunday, February 11th, uh, that will be our annual meeting. The reports, our annual reports, are being printed currently and should be in your mailbox in the next week, so please look out for that. At this time, I would like to invite all preschool to elementary school-aged children uh, to join our family ministry team in, uh, in the chapel for some donuts and Jesus. Both donuts and Jesus await you in the chapel and, uh, and age-appropriate interactive worship, and we will uh, all be together again uh, in time for communion. Okay, friends, these are all the announcements I have to make. I invite you, please, to stand as you are able so we can begin our worship together.
Blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Blessed be God's kingdom, now and forever. Amen. Together, Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear what the Lord Jesus Christ says. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, you govern all things both in heaven and on earth. Mercifully hear the supplications of your people, and in our time grant us your peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from Deuteronomy. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet, like me, from among your own people. You shall heed such a prophet. This is what you requested of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, If I hear the voice of the Lord my God any more, or ever again see this great fire, I will die. Then the Lord replied to me, They are right in what they have said. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their own people. I will put my words in the mouth of the prophet, who shall speak to them everything that I command. Anyone who does not heed the words that the prophet shall speak in my name, I myself will hold accountable. But any prophet who speaks in the name of other gods or who presumes to speak in my name a word that I have not commanded the prophet to speak, that prophet shall die. 
the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. reading from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. Now concerning food sacrificed to idols, we know that all of us possesses knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Anyone who claims to know something does not yet have the necessary knowledge, but anyone who loves God is known by him. Hence, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that no idol in the world really exists and that there is no God but one. Indeed, even though there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as in fact there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom all things and for whom we exist, and for one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things are and through whom we exist. It is not everyone, who, however, who has this knowledge. Since some have become so accustomed to idols until now, they still think of the food they eat as food offered to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. Food will not bring us close to God. There are no, we are no worse off if we do eat, and no better off if we do. But take care that this liberty of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if others see you, who possess knowledge, eating in the temple of an idol, might they not, since their conscience is weak, be encouraged to the point of eating food sacrificed to idols? So by your knowledge, those weak believers, for whom Christ died, are destroyed. But when you thus sin against members of your family, 
and wound their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food is a cause of their falling, I will never eat meat, so that I may not cause one of them to fall. The word of the Lord. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus and his disciples went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us? Jesus of Nazareth, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. God grant us serenity to accept the things that we cannot change, courage to change the things that we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
All right, happy Sunday. Let's talk about demonic possession, shall we? <laughs> you did not think that was going to happen today. But we are. We're going to talk about demons today. Um, this text that we hear of the gospel story is fantastic. It's a wonderful story. In, in Mark's gospel, it's actually the first miracle we see Jesus perform. It's a very early on in Mark's story of Jesus, and we see this miracle that he performs where he drives an unclean spirit out of a person. He, he, he cleanses, you know, he exercises a demon in, in that, that's possessing someone. And, and then we all in the 21st century reasonable Episcopalians hear that story, and we immediately try to figure out how to make it something other than what it is. Because demonic possession is not, you know, many of us are like, well, we're not those kinds of Christians, right? You know, those ones who believe stuff, right? We're not those ones. Um, because it's really unreasonable for a lot of us. It feels very unreasonable. It feels very fair, fairy tale. It feels very sort of like otherworldly, and that makes us very uncomfortable. So when we hear the story, we want to either figure out uh, how it's symbolic of something, Jesus driving an unclean spirit out of something, how we can symbolize that and spiritualize that. And that will be helpful for us as a metaphor for something in our lives. Um, or we'll do this thing where we'll say, oh, those people back then were very unsophisticated and crude. You know the people who wrote all the stories that we follow for our lives? We'll say they were very unsophisticated and crude and they didn't understand what was happening and it was probably just a mental illness, we'll say, or something like that. Um, whatever we've got to do to not make it what the story says it is. We're going to suspend our own reasonability and doubt for a little bit here in this space. We're going to just, in this moment, in this time, we're going to take the story not only seriously, which we always should, we're going to take it literally too. We're going to say, what if what happened in that moment was not a symbol for something else or a metaphor for something or something for us to learn by, but what it was exactly what it says it was in the story. An unclean spirit possessing a person, Jesus rebuking that spirit and driving it out. And here's my question for you. What happens if we decide to believe that's true? What happens if we decide to believe that's true? For me, what happens is if this story is real, then I have to accept that there are things going on in this world that I have no understanding of. If this story is true, then as much as I would like to think I can understand and comprehend everything, if only I try hard enough, learn hard and learn enough, gather enough information, become wise enough, this story tells me there are things beyond my comprehension. We often think the Christian story is simply about a, a distilled down to a set of lessons that teach us how to be better people. And maybe if we follow them right, we get to go to the right place when we die. But if we pay attention to the Gospels, and in fact all of our scriptures, we are a small piece in a cosmic story that goes so much bigger than we can comprehend that there are angels and demons, that there are principalities and powers at work in this world, within us and without us, and that is confusing to us. And so we'd rather just say, it's make-believe. I only believe in the things I can comprehend. The other thing that happens for me 
if I pay attention to the story and if it's true, then I have to accept that there are things in this world that I cannot control. There are things in play in this world over which I have no power. See, we have multiple stories throughout our scriptures of people being possessed by demons, and especially in the Gospels, we see this. And in every scenario where we see that, the people who are possessed, all those around them have no idea what to do with them. These are not people that people are just like, well, you know, we, uh, we've got it all figured out for them. We know how to help them and, and, and what to do with them. By and large, the people who are shown as being possessed or possessing unclean spirits in our scriptures are people that, that the community around them has no idea what to do with, cannot fix, cannot heal, cannot help them. Jesus shows up and heals these people, and it is shocking to those who witness it. They say, we didn't think it was possible. If I accept this story to be true, then I have to accept there are things in my life, in this world, not only ones that I can't comprehend, but things I can't fix. And I hate that. I want to believe that if I try hard enough, if I get strong enough, wise enough, smart enough, whatever enough. I can fix the problems in front of me. I want to think that personally, and I want to think that interpersonally. If this story is true, there are things I can't fix, and I need Jesus. I want to believe in Jesus. I want to love Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. I don't want to need Jesus. I don't want to need anything. I've been taught that's weakness. I don't want to need God's help. I'm conditioned to think, and maybe you are too, that if I just push hard enough, we can and think about it enough, or fight and argue enough, we can figure out the right way. I think about this in our own society in which we live right now. We're, we're in this strange crossroads where everyone sees it and we're not sure what to do. The conservative in me, the conservative in me just thinks that if, if everyone would just be personally accountable enough, just take care of their own business and mind their own business and do the right thing, and the government would leave me alone, we would be way better off. The liberal in me, I got both in me, like two little animals fighting, a conservative and liberal. The liberal in me believes that there are systems in place that have to be changed or there's no way we will ever be okay. But if we change those systems, then as a country, we will be okay. Everyone will be okay. The moderate in me thinks both of these people are crazy. And if everyone would just chill out, then we'd be okay. All of these pieces of me are missing something. Because all of them in their own right think that if we would just follow a certain path, then everything would be fine and we wouldn't have any problems. That we, if we would just get it together, people, could cure all of the ills before us. That's preferable to me. 
to accepting our dependence on God. Because I want us to be independent. I want us to be able to be self-reliant as people. But our gospel preaches our dependence on the God who made us. Our gospel tells us that we cannot save ourselves. Which doesn't sound like good news, actually. And it wouldn't be all by itself. If the good news was just, you're helpless and you can't save yourself, that wouldn't sound very good. But the good news of God in Jesus Christ is not that we are helpless. The good news of God in Jesus Christ is that the God who loves us and made us is faithful to us and has no expectation that we grow independent. Think about it for a moment, how we think about our own uh, raising of children, whether you have them or not. Like You know what the kind of thing is. The goal is, of course, when you're raising children is to get them to be what? Independent, right? And, when you, and even if you never had kids, every single one of you was a kid. Remember how important it was for you to be able to say, I can do it by myself. How good it felt. And that's beautiful. I understand the desire to be able to do things, to accomplish things. That's great. But I also think it's interesting that we actually believe that dependence is something we grow out of. That it's something only for children or the weak. We teach that needing others is not preferable. That it's an embarrassment. You know this is true because whenever you ask for help, you apologize too. If you ask for help which is really hard to do. The acknowledgement that we need help is an embarrassment to us. We should grow up. What if the process of raising these children and being a child who grows up is not to figure out how to be independent, but is to recognize our interdependence no matter what age we are? What if our faith in God is not about becoming the kind of people who don't need God because we finally got it right. What if our faith in God is an acceptance of our eternal belonging and dependence to God? We are not made only for ourselves. We are made for each other. We are made for community, for love, we are made for relationship. And we are in relationship with God forever. And this does not change. And God is not angry with us, embarrassed by us, or ashamed of us for needing God. That was part of the plan all along. To hear this story of Jesus confronting a demon and driving it out of a human is to acknowledge and to believe this story is to acknowledge our own need for God. Our own inability to explain everything perfectly. Our own inability to fix all things but also to hear this story and to believe it is to understand the God who will not let us go. To recognize the faithfulness of the God who can heal the things that we cannot. 
who will never, ever abandon us or leave us alone. This is an impossible story. And to believe in it is to believe the thing we find impossible, which is that we are eternally, utterly, and unconditionally loved by a God who is active in our lives for healing, for reconciliation, and for care. To move beyond our our, our childish belief that we have to do this all ourselves and to grow up into the interdependence and the relationship of love for which we are made and by which we are blessed eternally. In Jesus' name. Please stand as you are able. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made, and for us and for our salvation he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and Son. With the Father and the Son, she is worshiped and glorified. She has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church, we acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Father, we pray for your holy Catholic Church. 
Grant that every member of the church may truly and humbly serve you. We pray for our Bishop Wayne and Bishop Elect Kristen, and for all bishops, priests, and deacons. We pray for all who govern and hold authority in the nations of the world. We pray for all the thanksgivings of this life, including the birth of Evelyn Rose, granddaughter of Carter Wade and Melissa Morelli. Give us grace to do your will in all that we undertake. We pray especially for Andrew Banerjee, the Reverend Richard Eberfeld, Nicole Ivey, Ryan Patel, Brent Powell, Ted Russell, Eric Williams, and Presiding Bishop Michael Curry, for the victims of natural disaster, for the victims of the wars in Israel, Palestine, Ukraine, and Sudan, for the victims of the mass shootings in our country throughout the past week in Baltimore, Maryland, Coker, Alabama, Coropolis, Pennsylvania, Plantation, Florida, Palm Bay, Florida, Katy, Texas, Tinley Park, Illinois, Bronx, New York, Jolet, Illinois, Adelanto, California. Have compassion on those who suffer from any grief or trouble. We pray for the departed, including Inga Krug, sister-in-law of Kathy Krug, Sue Steffen, and Marin Elizabeth Laxon, niece of Elise Allred and Anna Greasy. Give to the departed eternal rest. We praise you for your saints who have entered into joy. May we also come to share your Let us pray for our own needs and those of others. Almighty God, you have poured upon us the new light of your incarnate word. Grant that this light enkindled in our hearts, may shine forth in our lives through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By what we have done and by what we have left undone, we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us. That we may delight in your will. Almighty God, have mercy on you, forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ, strengthen you in all goodness, 
and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. Amen. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Now let us with gladness present the offerings and oblations of our life and labor to the Lord.
The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Because in the mystery of the word made flesh, you have caused a new light to shine in our hearts, to give the knowledge of your glory in the face of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Therefore, we praise you, joining our voices with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, who forever sing this hymn to proclaim the glory of your name. Gracious Father, in your infinite love you made us for yourself, and when we had fallen into sin and become subject to evil and death, you in your mercy sent Jesus Christ, your only and eternal Son, to share our human nature, to live and die as one of us, to reconcile us to you, the God and Father of all. He stretched out his arms upon the cross and offered himself in obedience to your will, a perfect sacrifice for the whole world. On the night he was handed over to suffering and death, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread. And when he had given thanks to you, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. After supper, he took the cup of wine, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shared for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. Therefore, we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. We celebrate the memorial of our redemption, O Father, in this sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. Recalling his death, resurrection, and ascension, we offer you these gifts. Sanctify them by your Holy Spirit, to be for your people the body and blood of your Son, the holy food and drink of new and unending life in him. Sanctify us also, that we may faithfully receive this holy sacrament and serve you in unity, constancy, and peace. And at the last day, bring us with all your saints into the joy of your eternal kingdom. All this we ask through your Son, Jesus Christ, by him and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. 
And now, as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Alleluia. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. The gifts of God for the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving.
Christine, in the name of God and on behalf of this congregation, I send you forth bearing these holy gifts that those to whom you go may share with us in the communion of Christ's body and blood. We who are many are one body because we all share one bread, one cup. Let us pray. Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart through Christ our Lord. Amen. And now live without fear, fear any demons within or around you, because God, your creator, has made you holy, will always protect you, and loves you as a mother. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you always. Amen.
Now let us go forth into the world rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.